0: Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're happy for once aren't we nick yay it's a big scoring week for both of us and as a result we're extra exuberant not from drinking for once although i am at the moment uh to be on the pod today um but i suspect this will all be brought back down to earth very quickly when we look at today's main topic all Right, uh nick you're here you're with me after bailing on will and i midweek due to work commitments you all right yeah not bad thanks sorry
1: for missing the uh live stream uh... Last a week, but yeah, sounds like you guys had some fun um
0: just to say
1: quickly, of course, we are who got the assist? you can find us on twitter at w g t FPL. and you can use Spotify or Soundcloud, wherever you'd like to listen and subscribe. so uh what are we going to be talking about today then, Tom?
0: cool so, so this week it's all about over management um elective versus enforced transfers and maybe thinking to ourselves should we actually upweight the value we put on doing nothing some weeks the importance of being idle perhaps we're also going to devote a bit of time to look at the final couple of captains our b story what's the crack with the armband you know everyone's
1: going to think it's an oasis theme now you've said importance of being idle so <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not actually but um, there is a theme as usual to the pod this week but yeah uh, speaking of armbands anyway um i used my triple captain and it was a great success so uh shall we get on with the great success <laughs> yes uh should we do game week reviews then do you want to go first Tom?
0: yeah yeah okay then well, no, i will i will I, i've got 97 points not too bad at all I could have gotten to the 100 if I'd have benched Ericsson or Pogba for Gray, which I was never ever going to do. Uh, so 97 points I'll take. it. It's not as bad as getting 99 points, I suppose. Um, I would have got that if I benched Ryan for Leno. Uh, but, you know, overall, very, very good. Um, Alexander-Arnold, who came in for Kolasinac, uh, got me 10 points. Robertson and uh, Mane, captain. If only he'd scored that, uh, that hat-trick goal, he uh, had, would have got a hat-trick of headers, uh, not seen since Solomon Rondon on West Brom all that time ago when I bought him in just after. Um, but yeah, not too bad i didn't get any bonus though it's a bit of a shame and uh jamie vardy with the last gasp brace uh, against my team arsenal to be honest I was kind of half celebrating half commiserating on that one Uh, but the commiserations soon turned into massive celebrations So I realized that uh, to the chagrin of poor old goops I'd uh, won the month in our mini league Nick Uh, uh, won 10 pounds so that's two that's 20 pounds so the mini league washed its own face this year so I'm fairly happy other than that you know the likes of uh, Jimenez, Laporte and uh, James Ward-Prowse came through for me so yeah 97 points and I'm up to a massive 275k, which sounds absolutely terrible. However, in game week 29, I was sub a million. Uh, so not too bad. If only I was able to put together a decent middle run, hey, eh, Nick. Uh, what about you? How did you do? I know you had a, a really stonking week there.
1: Yeah, it was pretty damn good. Um, 108 points in total. Um, Salah, I mean, he contributed 57 of them because, of course, I, I put the triple captain on him. I um, actually transferred him in and Iose Perez, Um on a hit uh for Lacazette and Ericsson which was actually I think one of my first and perhaps most successful hits ever uh which um yeah I'm very pleased about um what Salah delivered uh, Robertson got 14 points he's sort of been my stalwart all season first defender ever in FPL to reach 200 points which is an amazing achievement just um goes to show what a brilliant FPL player he has been this season the uh, port in defence also got me nine and um I opted to to play Valerie ahead of Kalasanach, um, which turned out to be a good decision as well. He we got me four points. And then, um, yeah, Perez um, unfortunately got injured, but still picked up seven. And Jimenez got me seven as well. So, yeah, pretty, pretty decent.
0: Well, you're back to being king of the radio there, Nick, aren't you, really? Uh, although you're probably not going to win our mini league. I think you're definitely on the podium now, which is all good. Right. Uh, shall we move on to the first theme this week, which is about overmanagement? Uh, what is this Uh, what the hell have you guys come up with now is probably what you're asking Uh, another way of putting it as i mentioned earlier is the importance of being idle Uh, this came through chats and i little slack so shout out to all the guys there Uh, but the premise is that as engaged fpr managers we often feel the need you know due to thinking a lot about our teams due to the short-termist nature of the content churn you know things like week differentials weekly captains weekly teams uh, to do something many weeks the need to act is valued more highly than staying still and trusting your team over management is making non-essential transfers and taking hits when a valid course of action actually is doing nothing. How many times have we seen that people say, oh, I can either do A or B, when the C, an unspoken C is actually I can do nothing this week? Obvious caveat here is that Captain Hindsight, hindsight bias is in play. Um, So we are looking at things through that lens. We know that, we're aware of that, but it's still very, very interesting to look at um, this sort of thing, isn't it? Like trying to understand how we can play better and uh, perhaps give uh, some, uh, some, some hints and tips for next season, I suppose, at this point.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's the aim, looking at what we've done wrong this season and and trying to see what we can do to improve for the next season. And yeah, it's it's not just about taking hits, it's about actually using those one free transfer when you have it as well. Sometimes it might be best to just leave the team be. You don't have to use that transfer each week. Sometimes it's, it's a good idea to roll and it gives you more flexibility down the line as well.
0: Yeah, uh, the value of patience is well-wrought. Uh, Vili is very famous for not doing very much, not really taking that many chances, and he always does well. Um, Sky player in FPL, Paul, he's currently leading our mini-league, um, but he's told us he's burnt a few chances this season with 2FT, so he just didn't see the need to change anything. Uh, reactions to a bad game week often tend to lead towards action. You know, I want to make a change to make things better after a poor week. We place the emphasis on our actions and connect that with a perceived positive result. Actually, it can often be better to not panic. We're over managing our teams if we do that. Often it's better to just leave it be, as you just said. I mean, how many times as well have we left a player alone that we'd have removed, if not from other fires, only to see that asset rally? Like Dinier is a good example for people who kept him in um, after a few bad weeks and have, have got the rewards there now. Now, two parts of this almost. One is a hit or transfer analysis. Um, it's not just hits, of course, it's non essential transfers. And when it was actually better to so just wait and the opportunity cost. So, what did moving that week preclude me? from doing the next week part one's done by many but I think part two the fact that it restricts what you can do next is what really makes over management a thing I think
1: yeah yeah so we've, we've both um, done some analysis of our our teams um looked at our transfers who kicked the bucket at which moment and uh, yeah it's probably best if you go first and sort of do your analysis where you kind of trying to identify what went wrong and what weeks? And obviously, you need some level of management. We're not saying that all <laughs> yeah. management, all management is stupid, and you know, like we should have just stuck with our ghost ship from from game week one. But no, um, let's let's hear um, what you did then, Tom, and uh,
0: and what your thoughts are. Uh, there's only one point to look at for me, which is uh, the horror period between game weeks uh, sixteen and twenty-three. So that starts off with me removing Salah. Robbo and Arnie, who was injured, and bringing in Kane, T A, and Sane. That was before uh, Salah played Bournemouth, and uh, yeah, that 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 really hurt me. Yeah. A few other transfers coming up, you know, things like in game week seventeen, my reaction was to remove T A A, who didn't play because he was injured, and bring in Kalasinac. Um, and that set and trained a lot of other transfers, which were suboptimal, so to speak. So from then till Game Week 23, lots of players moved in and out of my team. I lost discipline entirely. Players like Kevin De Bruyne, Anthony Marshall came into my sides. I was looking for, you know, those, those four kicks to get me going uh, rather than buying Salah back in. And, you know, I did the count up and tried to figure out, you know, what I could have done and should have done. Um, and I've calculated that I've lost 139 points through over-managing. Uh, that's 47 points uh, for Mo in that period, who would have been the captain probably to so 94 points lost. And on top of that is all of the hits and all of the players that I brought in who are suboptimal. If I'd have just left the team to roll over, and a good counterpoint to this is FPL General, who I know is also having a very bad season, but has shown his moment of class in moments like this. The week that Arnie got injured, he just benched him captain Salah enrolled the transfer as I reacted very very strongly and um, you know I was thinking oh I've got to make a change because the week before that was the week where Salah came off the bench against Burnley and got an assist that kind of uh, gave me a bit of a red arrow and I think I overreacted a little bit I was drunk but that's no excuse the reality is sometimes the fact is you're, you're very close to it you're very you're always thinking about it you're thinking how can I make this right how can I make this right um, and made a lot of chances in this period you know took a minus eight, a minus four, a minus eight, and it just didn't solve the issue. And the obvious issue was sitting in front of me, get Salah back and there are times when I made a transfer when I had a perfectly reasonable uh, alternative on the bench I think it really was over management in that area that I was too busy trying to you know mess around with it and make big changes when in fact small incremental changes just fixing the wrong was what was really important I know it sounds really logical but often when you are in that moment of just panic when you're in that moment of not doing particularly well uh, you are prone to moments like this occurring aren't you at the
1: end of the day I always say to keep calm and follow the template not kind of experiment too much with these differentials you mentioned you know kevin de Bruyne and Anthony Martial these players might have been showing that they they might have a little bit of glimmer of form but you know at the end of the day there were other assets that perhaps if you'd you know stayed with the likes of Mo Salah as you mentioned you'd held Aiden Hazard all through that period or Raheem Sterling and just you know stopped rotating your team so much then uh You'd be in a much stronger position than you are now.
0: Yeah, I think that 139 points lost is is particularly galling because that would take me up to what easily in the top 10k if I'd have played that slightly better. Action for me was connected with fixing things. And actually, a lot of the time, I wasn't valuing the fact that if I'd have just left it, taken stock, tried to deal with it you know, with patience and tried to deal with it through not overreacting as I see it now for the for the lens of hindsight, that would have been a much better way of doing it. but what about you, what have you been looking at in terms of how overmanagement has impacted you? I know it's been a bit of a different story for you because although you haven't quite hit the heights of last season, I'm sure you wouldn't mind me saying um you still managed to kind of preserve your place in the top one hundred k at least um so how's it gone for you?
1: Yeah, so it's, it's been interesting. It's obviously been bad decisions, there's been good decisions. I've kind of, you know, I really hoped I would hit some form um, in the second half of the season but actually I found that I've actually struggled this season with the chips compared to last year and the single game weeks, even though I've tried to manage my team around the single game weeks, I've tried to manage them around the free hits, the bench boost. I had more red arrows than green arrows during this period, which was a bit of a disappointment of course. But, um, you know, last week was obviously very good. But some of my Decisions, um, perhaps I shouldn't have made at the time, and obviously, with the benefit of hindsight, they look a bit daft. But, um, it's actually for my season in particular, it's, it's felt like a, a tale of three positions to a certain extent. Because, um, in terms of the defense, I've actually had a really successful season in terms of those defenders that I picked uh, throughout the season, and um, and actually quite an interesting part of the season. I actually didn't make a single defensive transfer for 13 game weeks, and um, I just had a Solid defence that didn't need to be over managed, didn't need to be changed at all. Uh, Doherty, AWB, Robertson, who I've owned all season, uh, Luca Dean and Alonso, and, and they were just smashing it week in, week out. And eventually, um, I had to make a few changes, but it was actually, it worked out quite well. The guys I brought in Dean left because of his suspension, and I brought in the ports. Uh, Pereira came in for Alonso, he was a bit of a disappointment, but then you know, I, um, had a bit of a swapper as well, David Luis, and he, he did all right for me too. So it's, um, you know in terms of the defense is been pretty successful and my defenders have outscored my forwards this season in terms of points per game which which is a bit ridiculous really to be honest um,
0: yeah that is crazy the num- the numbers for the defenders that have been pretty good all season haven't they that like, they've been outscoring the forwards consistently
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think um, pre-season, I talked about the the death of the first striker. It seems to be death of the striker completely now, seems to be what I've advocating, especially after watching that Chelsea-Manchester United game, where you saw those 10 million FPL forwards lumbering around like dinosaurs, being offside constantly. It was was horrifying to watch, wasn't it?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I, I guess over the course of the season, though, have you found that doing nothing has benefited you?
1: Yeah, I think I think so to a certain extent, and you know, um, looking at the midfielders, it was, it's actually a bit shocking in terms of how I've tried to chase points to a certain extent, and not really to my benefit as well. Um, you, you know, I obviously have um, complained in the past about Eden Hazard and um, him trolling me a fair bit, but uh, and um, a lot of people said actually this guy. A lot of people on Twitter said, I've just had him all season. He's been brilliant. Stop calling him a troll. And, you know, there's been a lot of backlash in terms of people calling Hazard a troll in general online. Um, And I think, you know, it's it's a fair point, to be honest. Um, I looked at the numbers. He's actually been in and out of my team six times this season, which is a bit silly. Think of all those wasted transfers. Um, Sterling as well has been in and out of my team six times. Whilst um, the guy who I always praise in comparison, Mo Salah, I've, only, I've had him for all but two game weeks, so maybe I should have just sat with Hazard or sat with Sterling all season and uh, I wouldn't have had um, so much rotation. I mean, the same with Mane. Mane's been in and out five times. Son has come in and out seven times in total, which is a bit ridiculous that I'm constantly chopping and changing this midfield, trying to chase points and not always working as well. I've missed a lot of Hazard holes. I've missed a A number of Sterling's halls as well. And it it hasn't really worked out in terms of the midfield for me either. Like the forward line, it's just the defenders who I sat on and and stuck with throughout the season that did well for me.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think maybe, you know, somewhat a rejoinder could be, oh, well, you know, fixtures were this, the form dropped off a little bit. As you said at the beginning, like we're not saying that you just don't manage your team and leave it as a zombie team. Like you can see with our zombie teams and the majority of the zombie teams now in that zombie mini league. uh, that that isn 't particularly beneficial to do, but sometimes it is about striking that balance perhaps between uh, over managing your team and managing it with that sense of patience. you know Sometimes you think, "Oh, I could use somebody in that position, but actually the reality is that the guy you 've got there is good enough already, that like, there 's no need to be chopping and changing as you 've said because some of those numbers are removing players six, seven times, getting them in again. Uh, surely you could have saved those transfers, and surely you know there is an element of just tinkering around the edges, over management, and uh, I've done it as well, and I'm sure many of you listening have too. Just to read off as well, I asked on Twitter about this like any elements of overmanaging that you've done recently. And I think that it definitely does seem to be a thing. And I think it definitely does sting with a lot of people uh, that removing players when you shouldn't really be doing so is a big issue. So Mitchell Sterling, our friend who does the Talisman Theory with us, he removed Sally before Bournemouth and he also removed Son before Everton, which I know Let's Talk FPL Andy did. Uh, FPL Guidance said that uh, all of his hits this season except for one, uh, could have been avoided. Uh, that was a enforced hit, which he did need to take. But the rest of them were completely non-essential when it came to the numbers. Uh, Samuel De Bruyne said he removed uh, Jimenez um, because he he was worried that he was going to be dropped Uh, sold him for Rashford and Jimenez went on to score first two points in uh, three game weeks versus Rashford's 11 quite a few sad stories like that and yeah there there are a few kind of stories of positivity as well so FPL Costanza so he didn't fancy any KDB replacements this week so he benched him played grey he's now got two free transfers and eight points whereas if he'd swapped him for someone like Ericsson he'd have used his transfer on somebody who got two points and you know had less flex there and then Matt FPL Lock said in game week 15 he scored 38 his lowest weekly score He was thinking about it, but he didn't panic, he did nothing, and the next week he got 109. So it just goes to show that sometimes your team is not actually bad, it's just you've had a bad set of results in that particular week, and it's just the short-termism of being engaged in the community and thinking about it a lot, which is what's driving you to make changes, and often you are just over-managing if you are being driven by that impulse. It's often a better idea to sit on your hands and do nothing. So, spoken about that a little bit, what can we do about it, Nick? What do you think is the solution? (laughs) <laughs> I
1: think at the end of the day you've, you've just got to you've got to kind of not overanalyze it sometimes I think you can get bogged down with the amount of information that there is on the internet um, you know you, you log on to Twitter you'll see plenty of posts for instance you know raving about Aguero and how all these people are captaining him you know just a hypothetical example of a player and, and you suddenly think oh God, I don't have any Manchester City coverage, or I don't have Aguero, and and they're playing West Ham, and it, it's it's all going to blow up in my face if I I don't I don't get Aguero. And you you have to kind of at the end of the day, you kind of just slow things down a little bit, look at your team again, and say actually it's not too bad. I've got Salah and Mane, and and they're playing, um, you know, they're playing Leicester or something like that. You know, you've got Aubameyang, and he's got a decent game, and and there's there's no need to kind of rush to, to change things up and, and take risks, especially if the players you're thinking about setting are in form, you know, you've got to just maintain, sometimes I think you have to maintain a little bit of composure perhaps, um, take one week at a time, especially with some of these premium players, you know, this season's been a really tough one. And I think that's indicative in terms of the golden boot race, which is completely open. You know, even like likes of Jamie Vardy seems to still be in it in terms of getting that, you know, have got Salah Mane, you know, Has Sterling, Bamiang, all these other players who are all, you know, in with a chance of, of getting that golden boot. And it's been so open that I think, what I've done a little bit too much of is, is chopping and changing, trying to you know follow the trends. Sometimes you have to try and look at the the longer game and the longer picture, and uh, and trust in some of your players a little bit more, perhaps.
0: Last thing, I think the moments you live in always seem short and always seems a shorter space between the game weeks. But the season is a long, old season, and often we tend to forget that because we overfocus on a few things. Just to draw on behavioural science a little bit, you mentioned earlier with, with that Aguero example, that's fear of missing out FOMO. I mentioned earlier the content churn goes week to week and content like this is created, uh, and it's a case of being a responsible manager and recognising what does and what does not suit you. If you've got some good alternatives, it doesn't really matter that everybody else has got those kinds of players it's just you've got these good players you're probably okay but you know is mitigated by the fact you've got to manage your team a little bit there's no doubt about that that links into herd mentality that's the idea that fear and greed drive you fear because you're scared of what other people can do greed because you want those points but Often it's, it's actually a good idea to, to reject that and also a good idea to stick to your own gun. So, for example, keeping hold of Pogba during both of our wildcards and we're rewarded, albeit luckily, uh, with the two penalties against West Ham that gave us you know, 14, 15 points other people didn't have. And the other one's novelty effects, which is quite interesting. Uh, that's valuing something new over something old. Um, so we value something shiny and new in the team that we have, a new, exciting addition. And that can be linked to why we act to buy a player in that we want. I think the, the overriding message is just to remember that doing nothing is a viable, valuable option. We often devalue this in our minds when when, we, when we're making our decisions. We say, all right, A or B, as I mentioned earlier on, these are my two options. Actually, C, doing nothing, is often a very, very good pick too. And even if, if it means burning a transfer, if it means that for one week your team does not look good on paper when we go into the game week, I think that's a big lesson for me that actually probably it's better to get that free transfer, get that flexibility, cut through the short termism and think, what can I do next week as well? And how might this week's move impinge on that?
1: I think that's a very valid point. I think often you get caught up in, in the one game week as well. For instance, you know, there might suddenly be a rush for everyone to to transfer in Harry Kane because he's playing Cardiff at home or Fulham at home, but you know what Kane, like we've seen it the last couple of seasons, you're inevitably blank, of course, and you've just wasted a hit to get this guy in and, and they've got a tough game and you've sold someone like Hazard who who gets a brace and you know, we see it happen all the time. And I think I've got to try and learn from these mistakes that I've made just, you know, be more conservative perhaps than I have been.
0: <laughs> How's that even possible? You know, to become the Jacob rees Mog of Twitter. Oh, oh don't even <laughs> say that, guys. Man. <laughs> but yeah, I think fundamentally what we're saying is don't overmanage, but don't neglect your team. It's always about the balance and getting that right. Some are much better at doing that than others, cutting out all the noise, certainly better than we are. Uh, but at the end of the day, we hope that drawing attention to this helps you all in the future. All right, let's uh, take a break there and move on to captaincy corner. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and we're going to talk about the captains now, and it's mostly we focus on game week thirty-seven, obviously coming up. But worth talking about because I think this game week is an interesting one. There doesn't seem to be a clear-cut captain, and we're at that point in the season now where people are going to be consolidate their rank in some people's cases, or to you know really trying to make their final push. Uh, but it is a game week where there's not really a clear-cut captain like you know maybe if Harry Kane was around we'd all be captaining him against Bournemouth like you know we got a trick for me a few years ago against them obviously that's not the case uh, maybe if Wolves were better against the uh, uh, bottom six teams we'd be captaining Jimenez against Fulham but again probably not the case uh, so quite a few guys floating around and I think it's definitely worth kind of just talking about and doing a quick kind of analysis of them Um, I think the one that people are probably going to be Auto captioning is Kun Aguero, um, him or Raheem Sterling, and it's just worth mentioning. Oh, you know, City are up against Leicester. Uh, City have scored uh, 56 goals at home and have created 75 big chances all season at home. Uh, so yeah, you might be thinking, oh, yeah, they're the best team. That's probably the best way to go. But it's worth noting that Leicester are actually a decent team away uh, defensively. Uh, they're fifth from Boston for big chance, conceded this season away from home, uh, It was actually all right. Uh, who knows versus City, but I'm sure Bodger was going to have some idea of how to deal with them. Uh, Kun Aguero has more big chances than any forward at home, the highest XGI at home, which is higher than Aubameyang now. Sterling is second to Salah, and he's going to outshot his uh, XGI, so he's, he's performing better than you'd expect. But I'm guessing they're both quite good options, and I'm guessing that we're going to see a lot of people captioning a, a City asset for Monday night.
1: Yeah, perhaps. To be honest, I'm not huge on um, saying that Manchester City have the best captaincy options um, right now. Um, they're playing Leicester, but Leicester have actually been pretty pretty damn decent under Brendan Rodgers. And, and you saw it obviously in the Arsenal game as well, where they kept a clean sheet. And in terms of shots on target this season, they're at, they've actually got the fourth best defence, having... Only had 129 shots on target all season, and uh, I think that's I think that's pretty decent. I think they're pretty solid. The good thing about Manchester City assets though is they're pretty much guaranteed to play. Sterling's definitely going to play. N'Golo is definitely going to play. So you no, know, they don't have Champions League. They're fighting for the title. There's not going to be any rotation there at all, um, apart from perhaps with Leroy Sané. If you own Leroy Sané, but. Um, I think, yeah, Manchester City, whilst it's, whilst it's interesting, I've actually looked at a couple of other teams, Tom. Well, firstly, I think we should probably talk about United. Um, and I think, um, obviously, United aren't looking great at the moment, but it is worth remembering how, how dire their opponents actually are. You know, um, they Huddersfield shipped four against West Ham, four against Leicester, four against Spurs, five against Liverpool in the last few weeks. You know, they're, they're looking absolutely terrible. And I feel like a good United's going to turn up. But it, there might be a question. Ole might choose to play the youth. I don't know. It depends which Pogba will show up as well. Because I think Pogba's fact the only one we need to talk about as a, a real captaincy pick. Um, he's on penalties. He's actually still second for goal attempts this season in amongst midfielders uh, with 98. I think he's definitely still someone to uh, to consider with the armband, even though the one time I did captain him this season, he got me a minus two.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, Pogba's one of those players that I think a lot of people are looking at because they've got Eriksen and Son, and maybe having both of them after Spurs' performance against West Ham, which I'm sure you were ranting and raving about. I think it might make sense to get rid of one nice So, I mean, they've done all right. Like, the last six away matches, their fourth overall for shots on target with twenty-six. Joint fourth as well with Leicester and Tottenham uh, for overall attempts. And joint sixth with Fulham for attempts in the box. So there are, there is some kind of mileage there. Pogba himself, regardless of what your analysis of his mood is, um, I get the feeling he's going to be too good for Huddersfield and Cardiff. I mean, 60 points, I think, he scored against the bottom four clubs. And 28 points have been scored versus Car- Huddersfield and Cardiff in the reverse fixtures, albeit that was in the Renaissance when OGS actually came in. The trend for high scores against Huddersfield as well is very difficult to ignore. I think that stats may not be pointing quite to Pogba I mean, on the season level yes over the last few game weeks perhaps no but Having any sort of player in Huddersfield and, and backing them does seem to be a, a decent gambit, right? Like, are you considering Pogba? Or I kind of am.
1: I am I'm considering
0: him. I think it's just—I think he
1: is the only one really that you can you can look at in that Manchester United team. Unfortunately, Alexis isn't on fire, is he? Um, you know, we've got also got youth and young manhood in Jesse Lingard, but not, you know, those aren't the kind of guys that are really standing out as uh, FPL picks this season. I think the only other one, perhaps, um of interest I and mean, it's more for a transfer rather than captaincy is, is Marcus Rashford but a lot depends on his fitness as well.
0: I can't believe Lingard uh, didn't get the young player of the year I can't believe Sterling won that over him him and Trippier were criminally overlooked for that
1: Carl, <laughs> Walker as well, Carl
0: Walker young players <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah no, I, I know what you mean um, I think that I would only consider captain in Pogba I would really consider it, basically. Um, I mentioned Spurs earlier. We'll talk about them before we move on to Liverpool, which I'm sure you are chomping at the bits to talk about and praise Mo Salah even more. Uh, but uh, Son's got five and five against Bournemouth. Eriksen's also got good stats. I saw Chris Tan um, posted that not very long ago. Uh, so I'm guessing some people may be looking at a, a differential Spurs captain. But, I mean, as a Spurs fan, Nick, do you think that we can really trust them, given the fact that all eyes are going to be on the Ajax game?
1: I think that's going to be a problem as well. Yeah, definitely. I
0: mean, obviously Kane's out,
1: Ali's playing such a a sort of defensive role at the moment for some reason in the team that you're only really looking at Son and Eriksen and Son has been a little bit disappointing um, since I've, brought him into my team he hasn't hasn't scored in a few week a few game weeks Ericsson as well I thought Ericsson might even miss out the West Ham game but he looks absolutely knackered um so I think it is a little bit of a concern you know I'd, I'd almost fancy um some of the Bournemouth picks perhaps um not as captains but as, as players to bring in like Callum Wilson or Fraser because they've just been absolutely smashing it offensively and I think it's going to be a tough
0: game for Spurs It depends which Bournemouth shows up, I suppose. I mean, um, Adam Hotcroft uh, noted that um, uh, Callum Wilson was second to Jamie Vardy for XG over the last four or six games, I think it is. So, yeah, pretty decent. I mean, the Spurs as well actually have a fairly decent uh, spacing now between the fixtures, unlike uh, not very long ago. A play that they put Ajax on Tuesday, Saturday, at lunchtime, they've got Bournemouth. Uh, Wednesday, they've got the Ajax return game. So, Saturday to Wednesday, that's pretty decent. I don't know if you'd be too worried about rotation there. Uh, the final game is uh, Sunday again against Everton. And after that, they've got a whole, but almost a month um, until the Champions League final, p- provided they get that far, um, <laughs> which is uh, on the 1st of June. Um, so, I, I can't, I don't think anybody should be looking at that and thinking, oh, okay, my player's going to be rotated. Because, rotated for what? is going to be the question. That Bournemouth game for the last one, um, I don't mm. see why players are not going to be playing against Everton on the final day, because that will mean that players don't play from Wednesday, the 8th of May to the 1st of June. Um, that, that's actually ridiculous. It's not going to happen. Uh, so you're probably going to see a fairly decent strength, uh, Spurs team. It's just whether they still got it in the league. I mean, Lee, a couple mm. of weeks ago on the pod, was saying that you know, Watfords because of the FA Cup final, are going to be pulling out the challenges and they're going to be limiting the intensity of what they do. And, Seemingly, that may be the case with Spurs, especially against Bournemouth. So I wouldn't be too interested there. But Liverpool against Newcastle, Nick, I think that's where you're probably going to be uh, captioning your, your, your main man, your beau, Mo Salah.
1: Yeah, I think Mo's going to be my captain this week and probably probably for game week 38, I feel like I'm just going to be auto-captaining him um, right until the e- end of the season, my streaming of revelry. I think um, with with Salah, he is actually absolutely smashing it for the stats. In the last six game weeks, he's still he's still really up there, you know, 58 penalty touches um, in that particular metric, him and Hazard are miles away from anyone else in midfield. In terms of goal attempts, he's twenty-nine. He's had 29 in the last six game weeks. That's almost five a game. That's five ahead of Ericsson, nine ahead of third place for Charleston. He's had 14 shots on target in those games, which is not, um, you know, five ahead of second place, Madison. And in terms of the overall metrics, he's been leading all season as well, goal attempts and and goals as well. Looks like he's going to be stealing that golden boot. And I think it's actually quite harsh that he wasn't in the the shortlist for player of the season and in the team of the year either. But you know me, I'm a bit of a Salah fanboy
0: yeah exactly uh yeah you definitely you definitely are I think, you know, I think you try drive the fact that we spend most time speaking on most Salah and on this pod uh, surprisingly but you know he, he's still underperforming his xgi and xg away from home so it's entirely possible he smashes it against uh, newcastle Suggestions are that benitez will donate three points to liverpool's cause um, i'm sure that's not quite the case but you can imagine liverpool winning there and uh, mane as well but worth a mention um Admittedly, his returns, apart from the Fulham game in in recent history, haven't really come away from home. Uh, so for example um from game week 24 six of his seven returns have been at, uh, been at home um at Anfield. so uh yeah i mean maybe i'm a bit reluctant to captain Marnay this week i don't know what it is i am not too sure about it basically um, but he's also underperforming on metrics like his xgi so there could be um an option for him to come in there but he he doesn't um doesn't seem to pass him it. I mean, it was really funny wasn't it watching them play against huddersfield and like, neither of them were passing to each other when the ball went into the <laughs> middle they were literally just falling over each other to get in the way I was just like elbowing Mane get out of the way I, I want I want to take this shot absolutely brilliant there was no when the ball came over from Trent Alexander-Arnold and I thought this is an assist definitely both got in each other's way absolutely brilliant but there is one guy um I really like this week I don't know if I'm gonna be able to bring him in after all of our discussions about over management because it would be a minus four uh, but it's Eden Hazard a one final final bring him in so last time when I got rid of him I thought yeah this is it for us Eden um, but he's got ten, fourteen, sixteen, and sevens last four home games, and Watford are up next at the Bridge. I did comparison of Eden Hazard's last six home and away, and it is day and night. At home, he's got almost double the XG double the XA and almost double the XGI. Interestingly, actually, he's had less frequent shots and he's equal for shots in the box, but more on target at home, better accuracy, gets in better positions. And he is a difference maker, as we've seen many times over the course of the season, as Chelsea's talisman. I just wonder whether the the agreement that he's got with them is, yeah, get us to the top four and then you can uh, go off to Madrid. Uh, but you can't argue against those uh, last four scores. So Watford aren't that bad away from home. They've conceded more chance on the left flank than anywhere else, though they're fifth for that only two less than Huddersfield actually season long away uh, so maybe you'd be thinking yeah um, Hazard is a, is a good choice um, for that if you still have him or maybe you can bring him in whether it's worth it for a minus four I'm not entirely sure given who you'd be removing uh, but I think he could be one that um, really could make a difference I think the, the ownership in the top 10k is, is pretty low because people have obviously flocked to Mane uh, the likes of Son as well um, but I, th- I think he could be a really, really good option
1: I think so, yeah. I think Hazard, why not? I mean, it's potentially going to be his his last Premier League game at Stamford Bridge and he's going to probably want to put on a performance for the fans. So, um, yeah, I think he'd be a really good um, pick if you own him and uh, why not give him the armband as well, for sure
0: yeah uh, that's what I'm thinking as well is it a punt or is it over management Nick who knows uh, but I, I think it is it is definitely a, a mouthwatering prospect uh, f- for him uh, it would just be a oh, shake heartbreak if I bring him in imagine if it was a final uh, a final trolling for him like you would be rolling out the poopy butthole uh, reference <laughs> as quickly as you possibly just to, could just, to, um, yeah,
1: just one last minus four for a blank
0: just just you
1: know for old time's sake
0: oh it would be so hazard wouldn't it absolutely um uh, Uh, And also kind of the final day, um, FPL Addit123 asked us about this. He said, you know, Game Week 37, there seems to be a lot of scope for good captains. Game Week 38, not so much. Uh, There are a lot of choices this week, as we've mentioned, hence why i have had a look at them. A game week 38 is is always one of those weeks, isn't it? It's a bit like a game week one; it's an utter crapshoot. Uh, 27 goals overall last season, and some really balmy results. You know, five four Tottenham and Leicester after we'd all sold Vardy, all, all sold Mares, and they they came in and uh, contributed and combined like that. And um, I'm not too sure. I and mean, we'll have a look on next week's pod. Uh, what sense we could make of of this kind of carnival final game week, but uh, I'm not too sure we can really make any recommendations right now, right? Because, you know, Cardiff could still be in in with a shout if Brighton managed to beat Arsenal. Like, I'm sure anyone could beat Arsenal right now, right? But Brighton are also so bad that, I know it's like the unstoppable force meeting the immovable object of, of awfulness. So Christ knows what's going to happen there. Hopefully a nil nil. because I've got Leno, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, it will be an interesting one with game week thirty eight, won't it? I mean, do you have any? I uh, 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 will talk about it a little bit more next week, of course. But game week thirty eight, do you think it's even worth it at this point thinking about anything to do with that? Or would you think it's best to wait until we get to that point and then uh, make your uh, make your move?
1: Yeah, I haven't really overthought about what I want to do that week. Probably going to do some form of transfer. Like I said, probably just keep it on the, the Liverpool asset. Um, you know, just one player. I was actually thinking about getting in um, was Sergio Aguero potentially for that week, just just for old time's sake. You know, if you you can you can just see it, can't you? He's, he's it's one all, and he scores in the ninetieth minute. The shirt will come <sighs> off. The shirt will come off for a yellow card, though. So that's, that's one downside. <laughs> yeah. but you can you can just see it happening, can't you? Uh, yeah. You um, know, in the final game week against Brighton, you know, they'll have playing all-out defence as usual.
0: Yeah, so you can see them getting between Duffy and Dunk. Duffy uh, trying to take him down or something like that. An agricultural challenge and Sergio riding it to smash it in top bins. Uh, yeah, the other one I quite like is Mitrovic versus Old Club Newcastle, unceremoniously, unceremoniously uh booted out because he didn't fit Rafa's style of play only for them to bring in a Solomon Rondon is obviously a, a lot more mobile and a lot less of a donkey right uh let's take a break there and we'll move on to the features
1: just lovely slagging off Rondon any chance you get.
0: I, I said he wasn't a donkey he's had a good season he's had a good season who got the assist who got the assist Hello, so we're back and it's the feature section now it's where we do our regular free features, which are the market forces of a Nick pick and the All Englands. Uh, the market forces where we start and that's a section where we use FPL NTI days to look at the moves and shakers in FPL. Nick, uh, you've been looking at the numbers, what are you seeing?
1: So yeah, so it's all about uh, it's actually all about the Wolves players this game week, uh, specifically the double J's Yotta and Jimenez, and uh, yeah, they're both brilliant. Obviously, um, in the last game against Watford, and um, with Fulham at home up next, you can kind of understand why a lot of attention's being drawn towards those guys. Um has had forty six thousand transfers in at this time; he's the most transferred in player. Jimenez is the third most transferred in player with thirty nine thousand um, transfers in, and with Jimenez, it's almost a surprise that. There's people out there that that don't own him, considering how poor the, the front line generally has been this season and how Jimenez has proved to be such a value pick in, in that particular area. And in Yotta as well, um, you know, dodgy start to the season, but he, he really has upped his game in the last few game weeks um, and a goal and assists against Watford where he played absolutely brilliantly. I can understand at his price why um, so many people are transferring him in.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I think I, I saw a, a really nice stat there. He had um, exclusively um, assisted uh, Jimenez more times than any other player has uh, ever in the Premier League. Uh, so quite a nice bromance going on there. I think that Yota is definitely uh, benefiting from the fact that Jimenez is being kind of circled and underlined as being Wolves' key threat. And that Jota is getting a bit more space, I think, to do what he wants to do. And I think next season as well, I think that Jimenez is going to get a very high price. I'm sure it'll be like 9 ish cool. to, to make him into a choice pick rather than auto includes so maybe yota yota uh, jota is going to be an interesting one then and um, yeah I, i'm I'm not really too surprised with fill them up next that those two are being brought in but they're not particularly good are they against the bottom six so it could easily be a shock and could easily be a lot of people going oh you know if, uh, i've made the transfer i've been trolled
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, and Fulham for some reason have decided that they're actually going to start showing some defensive solidity. They've had a um, they've had a few clean sheets in a row, haven't they? And uh, Sergio Rico's been, you know, l- looking for another premier club, Premier League club to take him on next season clearly with some of his brilliant performances. So, yeah, Fulham um, actually, with their current form, are actually looking like a you know potential banana skin for Wolves, as, as they um, they lost to Huddersfield both games this season, didn't they? But um, otherwise, it, it's Callum Wilson that's been transferred in. He's the second most transferred in player, and you know, I mentioned earlier about Spurs, and um, you, you can see you can see a performance coming in from. Um, Bournemouth potentially. Wilson's been, you know, really good. Um, he's he's been one of those players that you know a lot of people have suffered from by owning him in the wrong patches. But you know, the last few game weeks he's really turned it up another notch. With a 15 pointer against Brighton and a 16 pointer against Southampton, and, uh, you can definitely see the potential for returns. He's another player that's potentially going to get um, a large price hike next season, especially if he moves in the summer.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Wilson and uh, Hazard are on a similar level, aren't they, a player that you just stick in your team and leave them there, take the poor performances because both of those double-figure scores were, of course, sandwiched by a blank against Fulham. Uh, however, I, I can understand when people are buying him. Although, you know, with Spurs next, uh, that's quite a tough one. It's just the case of whether he he and Bournemouth are going to uh, decide to up, and whether F- Howe's going to start Fraser. No idea why he was benched and brought on after 25 minutes or something uh, in the last game. That's, that made zero sense to me. Uh, elsewhere, uh, we see uh, Sadio Mane brought in by 35,000 people and uh, Bilva, Bernardo Silva, has been brought in by 33,000. But the, the transfers out are, are actually really interesting, aren't they, this week?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I was talking about the Manchester United players, and they're actually um, with Huddersfield away and Cardiff at home for the last two game weeks of the season. You don't get much better fixtures than that. You know, a sort of a perfect final two games for them. So. It is a bit of a surprise to see Pogba so heavily sold, with over forty six thousand transfers out um, at this moment in time. It seems like obviously a few people just getting really frustrated. Perhaps you know fans of the club are just so fed up with this guy. They just want they just want rid. They just want to get rid of him out of the team. They want to see him again. They don't want to hear his name mentioned. But you know he, like I said, he is on penalties. His underlying stats over the course of the season have been pretty decent. So maybe he will um, He will play well against um and get some points for Hadzou, so I certainly wouldn't have sold him, especially with, you know, some of the options in midfield. I think Pogba's perhaps still a, a better pick. And, and Rashford's also being sold. Um, they're second and third most transferred out players at the moment in time. Rashford's had 45,000 transfers out. And uh, yeah, he's only scored once since game week 26. So I can understand that if you've been holding him for all that period, you've perhaps fed up. You're seeing him and his points, you're seeing Wilson points consistently. You know, you're thinking, why, why do I still have this guy? And um, he's still got a twenty-two percent ownership. So I can, I can understand the appeal, but it doesn't seem like the right moment to be selling him. You know, if you were going to be selling him, you're going to be transferring him out. You would have done it before they played Chelsea and Manchester City, shortly, rather than before a Huddersfield game. So it seems, it seems a little bit unusual for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, he has got the yellow flag and seems to have a bit of a shoulder issue. I mean, on the other side of it, 27,000 people have bought in Rashford and 25,000 people have bought in Pogba. So it's definitely going on. Uh, Worth noting as well that Sergio Aguero is now the highest-owned player in the game, 40.6% owned um, at the time of recording, uh, brought in by 30,000 people. And I guess uh, your man, uh, Firmino, um, who uh, drops out, uh, at, at late notice um, for the Huddersfield game and Aubameyang are the main kind of four guys uh, it seems for bringing Kud in for those final two games
1: Yeah so Firmino is the most transferred out player of over 50,000 transfers out and obviously he's yellow flagged so people are, are seeing that and thinking they've got to get rid of this guy um, I'll definitely have to make some form of forward line transfer I think this week so I've got Perez and Firmino both on yellow flags but It'll be a case of waiting for the press conference just to confirm what the situation is before I make any moves at this moment in time. And Yang is another bit of a strange transfer, I'd say, to be honest, to be selling him right now. Um, You know, obviously Arsenal, he blanked against Leicester. He didn't play against Wolves, but he did get goals against Watford and Crystal Palace. And Arsenal's last two games are actually pretty decent, to be honest. Brighton at home, Burnley away. You know, you can definitely see returns in those games for the Arsenal players, even though they... There might be a little bit more rotation. Um, Emery hasn't seems to have no idea who he's playing week in week out, and um, they're still in the Europa League. So he he's probably, I think his focus is probably going to be on the Europa. To be honest, um, based on his track record and history in that tournament,
0: yeah, certainly it makes a lot of sense. And I mean, we mentioned Eden Hazard earlier on, obviously also still in the in the uh, Europa League, Chelsea. Uh, but uh, you know, someone said, to, you know, are you worried about his rotation? But the, the fact is that. Willian went off and didn't look very good um, last week. But he's not appearing anywhere in terms of the transfers in, as far as I can see. So he could be a really, really big differential, just looking at how the market forces are going. Brought in by 15,000 people only so far, um, and only owned by 25.7%. Um, I think he had a zenith of about 45% ownership at one point. So yeah, uh, quite a big differential there. Um, elsewhere, you've got the likes of Verson being sold as well, after the abject performance against West Ham.
1: Yeah, and uh, you've also got the, the Crystal Palace guys worth mentioning. Crystal Palace have a couple of really good fixtures as well. Cardiff and Bournemouth at home. A lot of people transferring back in. Wan Bissaka after his nine-pointer uh, with over forty-five thousand transfers in, he's the sixth most transferred in player at this moment in time. And, and Wilfred Zaha as well, um, a player that I'm looking at myself and um, perhaps as a, a forward line option. Um, he hasn't scored too much in the last few game weeks, but with with uh, Cardiff and Bournemouth up next, you can definitely see um, some
0: returns potentially there. Yeah, a couple of assists, like you got against Huddersfield for many penalties, I guess is, is, is viable. All right, let's move on to the next bit, which is the Nick pick. Uh, this is where uh, Nick chooses a player who uh, is uh, fairly middle of the road, fa- fairly conservative, uh, but is likely to score points. So Nick, last week uh, you chose Siggy. It didn't quite work out against Crystal Palace, uh, blank there. Week before that, you chose Hazard, um, who uh, got an assist, think mean, got five points, but uh, didn't set the world on fire. So. Kind of a qualified success with Hazard, and uh, not so much for Siggy. But uh, who's the man this week that you're uh, that you're eyeing up?
1: So I picked this guy before I'd actually. Um looked at the market forces and it, it was a little bit of a surprise perhaps to see him so heavily transferred in but a lot of people obviously um on a similar wavelength to myself because i, I picked um diego Yotta as my um nick pick this week and at the you know at the beginning of the season uh, he had this sort of superb season in the championship sort of young player we definitely saw him as a potential talisman for for Wolves, and um, yeah, in the Championship, he got 17 goals in 44 appearances. And we were quite excited about this guy coming to the Premier League, but inevitably, um, owning him game week one, he, he did struggle a fair bit for the first half of the season. We got rid quite quickly, and he he um, didn't actually score his first goal until game week 15. But since then, he, he really has... Um, Showed his promise and potential across the course of the season. Nine goals and eight assists, and yeah, we mentioned his his link-up play with Jimenez has been brilliant. And with with Fulham up next, um, you, you could definitely see the potential for um, for returns. Um, actually, over the last six game weeks, Yotta is third for for goal attempts inside the box, so he's he's got some decent underlying stats as well to go with the the goals and assists that he's picked up in in the most recent weeks, and he's definitely um. One to think about for next season as well, when when uh, picking our teams, and hopefully his uh, price will be relatively kind next season.
0: Yeah, I think he will be because Jimenez has been the uh, the, the market leader in terms of Wolves and has uh, risen exponentially in price. And Yota's has actually not quite reached his initial price tag. So he's 6.2 now and got the hype 6.5 price tag along with the likes of uh, Ryan Sessegnon at Fulham. Uh, so he's not quite reached uh, back to that yet. May, may get the 6.3 bow end of the season, but you'd be expecting him to be 7-ish, you know, something like that, which is, which is pretty decent. I suppose he'll be in a lot of uh, Game Week 1 sides. Uh, the final thing to talk about this week is the England team so back in the halcyon days of summer Remember when we're all we were all very happy. We had England in the uh, reached semi-finals of the FA Cup, and Kieran Trippier, that the young player scored um, on his on the way to fulfilling his potential. We decided to make an all England team uh, of English players for the course of the season. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not been great. Uh, just outside the, the top one million at the moment. And at uh, this game, we the unspecified family member in charge of your England team forgot about them. Maybe it was because of the Friday deadline. Maybe because they were too busy trying to figure out whether TAA or uh, Firmino. Should come in. Obviously, the familiar news made that very easy. Um, but whoever it is, forgot to update the team. That meant that uh, young player Kieran Trippier, second place young player of the year Jesse Lingard, and Mike Smallin all started over the likes of Callum Wilson, Trent Alexander-Arnold, and uh, James Madison oh no luckily none of those players played <laughs> so <laughs> it meant that uh, Callum Wilson with 16 points Trent Alexander-Arnold with 10 points and uh Madison with six points for an assist came off the bench it got them a 70 point return because the captain Cern didn't pay off it could so easily have been somebody else if they'd remembered to pick the team uh however you know it's not too bad uh for, for this kind of game we could have nailed the captain it would have been uh it would have been 80s 90s so yeah uh, all good. We've only got a couple of game weeks left. Um, to, to try to cement England's place at the top table. Uh, we've got a triple captain left to play. Um it probably would have been better to do it this game week, but again, some issues were, were seen. Uh, so we'll try to figure out who that might be. But yeah, no, I'm I'm sure there'll be uh, there, there is a good there are a few um, decent candidates for it might be a game week 38 uh captain uh triple captain for them on uh, someone like Troy Deeney against West Ham Danny Inns against Huddersfield, Jonesworth Prowse, Nathan Redmond, Maybe Nathan, Nathan Redmond against Huddersfield that might be quite decent They're definitely a brace in that who knows all right let's take a break there and we'll move on to the uh, Q&A. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's time
1: to catch up with the who got the assist mini league um see what's going on and yes yeah, it's, it's all changed at the top. Sky player in FPO, you mentioned earlier, Tom Paul Jones, um, is the new leader with 121 points for Game Week 36. He's now up to uh. 49th overall he's leading the way he's the top welsh player in fpl as well and uh you know what a storm of a week 16 points from wilson uh 10 from taa 14 from robertson um, he had babble in as well nine up uh, nine pointer what a, what a player to bring in who's usually drinking usually dancing um laporte nine pointer Jimenez seven Aguero Nine just just a fantastic return. Didn't even play a chip, and he he's still got 121 points. So really well done there, Paul. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a all British competition here. As the leading man in Scotland, uh, Mark Sinclair has been knocked off the the top perch. Um, so yeah, it's properly uh, Scotland versus Wales here. As uh, Mark's 64 pointer has dropped him down the rankings, unfortunately, and he's now four points behind. Uh, Paul, so not, not a great week, unfortunately, for for Mark there. Um, he captained Agüero, for 18 points. He had Mane, um, he had, you know, Laporte and Van Dijk, but some of his players like um, Murray and, uh, you know, Zaha and Sterling and Son and De La Feo didn't do too much for him, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, not a great week for Mark. Um, worth mentioning some of the other guys up there at the moment. Oscar Norberg, really good week for him, 116 points. Um he's doing really well this season as well um you know 107th in the world but only ninth in Norway so you know I yeah. you know, can't believe the fact that there's literally 28 Norwegians in the top 100 or so FPL players uh, that's is shocking isn't it yeah triple captain for him Liam Berry um fourth place um Englishman uh 91 points gotta mention the English whilst we're uh uh, doing all right as well, ninety one points for him and Salvarin but uh the uh the mendigos um, in fifth with um, two thousand four hundred and two points. Um so yeah he's he's doing
0: pretty well as well. Yeah, and Salva is uh, in the top five in the US as well. So uh, quite a fantastic achievement for all those guys. It's uh, going to go right down to the wire for the uh, for the Who Got This Mini League this year. It seems uh, between uh, Mark and Paul, uh, as you mentioned, is going to be an all British face-off. Although Oscar Norberg is uh, is in contention. So yeah, very well done to all you guys there. Uh, let's move on to the questions then, Nick. And then we've got a few this week. Uh, we've mentioned and probably kind of partially answered these already but the first one is hud united we've had lots of questions on the united boys Uh desperately seeking duzan fpl gym asked about united so duzan asked you know are we being silly for assuming huddersfield will just fold and uh, Jim asked for our thoughts on uh, Kaku, the forgotten man, the heavy differential, and that uh, Will Bill asked about buying Pogba too. Who he, well, I think we kind of answered that one a little bit, but yeah, United generally, Nick, and, and maybe Kaku specifically for Jim. Like, what are your views on them?
1: So yeah, I'm not a big fan of the Kaku. To be honest, uh, I, I think he's he's definitely you know had a. a Pretty poor season. He just looks really lumbering and doesn't seem to have any turn of pace. I don't know, especially at his price as well. I think there's better better ways to spend your money than Lukaku. But in terms of Manchester United, uh, as I said earlier, I was a bit surprised to see i um, him so against the market forces. Normally, what I say, on the pod seems to correlate quite a bit with the market. And a lot of people seem to be agreeing with me. But in terms of the market forces, we saw were being sold. I, I think he's a, a really good pick for this week. And if you don't own him, I'd, I'd consider bringing him in uh, for those fixtures, Huddersfield um, and Cardiff. And, yeah, you know, say with um, Rashford. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd like the look of Anthony Martial, but he didn't play the last game. I don't know why. I don't know if you know why.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think Martial is on the naughty step. It's got to be that. I I can't really see any other reason why. Um, Just in general, um, United over the last six game weeks have looked okay in terms of the attacking stats. Uh, Not great, but okay. Middle of the road for goal attempts, for example. Uh, middle of the road um, for big chances as well with 13. Uh, Southampton actually have, have had more big chances than any other team with 21. So maybe there is a case for that. Uh, Nathan Regmond, uh, triple captain in game week at 38 for the All englands we mentioned. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're all right. The key is Huddersfield. It may just be an easy source of points to be looking at those sorts of players. I mean, defensively, I think there may be a couple of bargains there as well. You've got your man Lindelof. He's going to play. I'm not sure he's any good, but he's going to. Play with Eric Bailly going off with... Uh and the knack that's going to rule out of the AFCON as well. And you've got Luke Shaw as well. who got the assist the other day. Um, interestingly, he's got no crosses in the last uh, four games as well because the, the pullback is deemed a key a key pass. I think TAA in contrast is 50 crosses. So uh, not really producing too much, but you'd still be maybe thinking, yeah, I mean, maybe Luke Shaw at 5.0 may be a decent option if you're moving Kolasin natural or something like that um, at the risk of sounding like you. It is a tough one. Like If you're buying somebody in, I think I'd only be interested in Pog but maybe if Rashford's past fit, he might be worth bringing in for you know a grey or something like that. Um, but the Kaku certainly isn't doing anything in terms of the stats or to passing the item. It seems like a bit of a Hail Mary. Uh, it could really work, but as I found to my chagrin in the past through captain in the likes of Sanchez in this sort of game, going with a player who isn't informed hasn't really done anything for quite a while is probably it's probably not a good idea. So maybe it's Pogba that would be interested in, maybe Rashford, um, but if you're looking at, uh, looking at Kaku like Jim is, maybe my feeling would be to look elsewhere. <laughs> it sounds like United are also looking elsewhere as well because he said he couldn't guarantee where he'd be um, next year. It hasn't got a return since game of 29, Lukaku as well.
1: Yeah, interesting thing. I think Shaw sure is um,
0: a decent pick,
1: definitely, um, if you are thinking about transferring a defender. But interesting thing about the Manchester United defenders this season, they're not even appearing on the first page in terms of points. And uh, Bamber and Morrison from Cardiff have scored More points than any Manchester United defender this season, which is a little bit shocking, isn't it?
0: Absolutely, I think that's uh, maybe due to the fact that the guy behind David De Gea has been making mistakes leading to goal worthy of an Arsenal goalkeeper. Recently, Uh, quite a few absolute blunders. Um, So you don't really have that solidity behind you that you used to have. Maybe that's affecting the players. Who knows? But yeah, maybe Luke Shaw would be the one just because of his attacking kind of potential there. Next question, holding on to the rat. Um, FPL Yogi says, it's form versus fixture, sort of as a question. He was considering moving Vardy on for someone like Rashford or something like that to free up cash elsewhere. But is that one to forget about now? We haven't really spoken about Vardy too much on this, apart from me singing his praises earlier on. Uh, Man City and uh, Chelsea are as fun to game weeks. And um, I don't know about buying him in. I'm pretty sure with Man City, I you wouldn't buy him in. Um, but would you be moving Vardy on? Probably not,
1: to be honest. And it's probably a case, again, of over-management with this guy. You know, a lot of people moved him on last week and he, he subsequently got that brace against Arsenal. He, he is in form as well. He's doing really well. He's got um, six goals in the last five games. And um, and even even looking a bit further back, I think he's got about nine in nine. It's just pretty pretty decent, really, his returns currently. And, you know, obviously there are tough fixtures, City and Chelsea. But we've often seen, actually, that De Vardy um, performs best against the... Um, you know, the tougher teams in the league because of the way that Leicester play with their counter-attacking football and, uh, you know, catching these teams off guard. I've seen Vardy nick a few goals against Manchester City a fair few times in the past. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think he, I think he's a really good pick. Um, he is a bit pricey, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, he wouldn't be one that I'd perhaps be looking to transfer him in. I, I could potentially for Firmino, but, um, you know, he is an option out there for sure. But I think there's a few other options as well, you know. We mentioned uh, Wilson and some uh, Zaha, but um, yeah, why not?
0: With um, with Vardy, I would say hold him. Yeah, I'm definitely holding that guy. Um, he's actually top at the moment for a lot of the uh, a lot of the striker metrics. He's top for shots in the box last six, uh, top uh, joint top for big chances uh, over the last six. And I saw a really a really decent stat that um, he had more touch in the box against Arsenal than Aubameyang and Lacazette did combined. So that's that's really damn good. He's also top of penalty box touches overall over the last six. So the stats are there. He seems to you know be relishing playing under Brendan, Brendan Rogers in that system and making the intelligent runs. He hasn't got the pace anymore, perhaps, uh, but he, his ability to to find those kind of areas of space when teams are tiring, when teams are lagging, you know, he. he does score pre late on in games fairly often, unless he's given a sniff. That's just the way he does things. Um, he is fairly accurate with the shots he gets. He gets two or three chances a game, and you back him to it, one of them away. Like you know, it's going to take a moment of uh, Osimendi losing concentration, Vardy being in and scoring a goal, and you'd be hoping that all Liverpool fans everywhere will be hoping that he does that job for them. Um, but yeah, I'm happy in that, and I'm, I'm sure against Chelsea at home, he. he produce something i mean rogers has got that chelsea connection as well but yeah definitely hold vardy yogi if you can uh next question uh hit me one more time uh fpl geek asks are hits stupid with just two game weeks to go he's hoping to hit 50k and he's 70k right now hits i think uh are obviously something that you're looking at to be paid back um over the the course of the next few game weeks with just two game weeks to go though Is it a good idea to be doing that sort of thing? Or is it just easier to just take one FT or just leave it? Are you over-managing taking hits now? What do you reckon, Nick, at this point in the season?
1: Well, yeah, I think that's that's the point, isn't it? There's only two game weeks left, so you can't even be thinking about the long-term picture. Often when I've taken hits in the past, I've been almost thinking about... That player that I'm bringing in, or those two players that I'm bringing in, and owning them for the next five to six game weeks because they've got some fantastic fixtures, or you know they've got some double game weeks coming up and stuff like that. So generally, in the past, I've had plans around my hits, and whilst they've not necessarily paid off, there has been some long term thought process behind it. We've only two game weeks to go, um, you know. I wouldn't really be thinking about taking a hit unless you're going through some sort of injury crisis. Or you know you, you're just kind of like you, you feel like um, your players really have terrible fixtures and, and there's some other assets you know you some reason you're missing Liverpool attacking threats or something like that then maybe I consider um, a hit to to sort of a last ditch um, attempt to kind of bolster your rank even though I've got two yellow flags in my forward line I'm probably only going to do one transfer and if necessary if I'm short a man and Valerie will have to come off the bench and do a job.
0: Yeah, it's decent enough, isn't it? Just a fold in FPL, El Clasico's question about Hazard. Uh, he's the guy I'm thinking about buying in, but it's just whether it's worth that hit. I mean, Ericsson against Bournemouth, um, it would be who goes. And that could easily be some, a, a game that he'd return big in. Ericsson against Bournemouth isn't a bad fixture by any stretch. So as nick said if you're looking for a last second rank boost it could easily pay off but if you're removing a player who's got a decent fixture anyway i'm not too sure i'd be going for that uh am i going to take a hit this week we'll talk about that in a second i'm, I'm not sure yet um but i think that uh to answer el, el Clasico's question here quickly and the rate of transfer targets hazard was one of them so i'm gonna, just going to uh, pivot into that and um, i think hazard could be a very worthy. Uh, a hit recipient he could be worthy to take and hit him and he could really pay off in that in that game week given the uh given the home uh form that he's shown a uh, final question this week uh, bound to make you recoil nick is uh salah out so fpr rossi sheamus asked if he should sell salah uh, to raise funds or should he keep hold of them no <laughs> don't sell
1: salah <laughs> that's that's my answer if you've got salah keep him i think um In your case, Tom, obviously you don't own Salah. I wouldn't perhaps um, say, you know, get him in on a hit again. We've seen that Mane has managed to actually cover him uh, for most of the season and Mane has actually um, been better value in terms of points per value. Um, A lot of the other premium Liverpool defenders have also been better value in terms of points per value by a long way uh, compared to Mo Salah. So there has been a case that perhaps we could have gone the season without owning Mo, but then um, there have been those periods in in time where you, you obviously missed out on his hat trick early on in the season. And, um, you know, if you didn't own Salah or Mane this game, we, we saw a lot of people punished quite heavily for that. So um, I think for me, um, Impulse fixtures are Newcastle Wolves, you know,
0: they're middling
1: fixtures. But for me, I think he's definitely a hold and, and a captaincy option for the final two game weeks of the season.
0: Yeah, he's certainly up for it, isn't he? Like him and uh, the saving grace you mentioned is that Mane has covered him in in terms of the the game value for the course of the season. Obviously, with the ownership was very high when I had my terrible time, my dark days. uh, He was not owning him was wasn't very good. But at the moment, Mane and Salah are both ridiculously up for the golden boot. I mean, not owning Salah, I'm very worried about it. But I've got triple Liverpool. I'm sure a lot of people in the same situation as triple Liverpool. Or you'd need to tear up your team and make a pretty ill-advised transfer to get him in not sure I'd be advising doing that but if you have him definitely hold him you're going to get punished for getting rid of him on that note then let's move on to transfers and captains uh Nick I've uh, I'm guessing you are going to be captaining uh Salah but you mentioned you've got some forward line issues what are you thinking there
1: so yeah obviously um Firmino's yellow flags and Perez, Jose Perez who I just brought in, unfortunately he's yellow flagged as well. He's got the uh, tougher fixture because he's playing Liverpool um, where they're playing each other. But at the moment it looks like potentially either one or both of them are going to be missing out. So I do need to make a transfer in that forward line. Um, It it much depends on the press conferences, to be honest, in terms of whether they're declared fit or not. But in terms of budget, I've got a little bit of flexibility. I think... um, Zaha and Wilson are perhaps the ones that I was kind of looking at and thinking about bringing them in. Um, maybe Wilson over Zaha, because um, I just feel like he's going to do a number on Spurs. But um, after the conversation we had, I've actually started to think about maybe Jamie Vardy being you know, a little bit of a cheeky pick, um, just to throw him in at the end of the season and see what he does in those final games. And if I can afford him, which I can for Firmino, then, then why not? use that money to to bring him in and, and see what he does because he is in form and he's as you those numbers you gave in terms of his underlying stats are, sh- are showing that he's he's in really good form and uh um yeah could uh catch um City or Chelsea on the break very easily. Yeah, I suppose so.
0: As you said, it depends it, it really comes down to Friday, doesn't it? Because we've got quite a few things in play. You've got the Champions League in play, you've got the Europa League in play as well. Um so my my transfers this week um I might just leave it um not over manage it I'm off on holiday to Berlin for the weekend so maybe if I bought in Hazard and captain to him I'd spend Sunday uh in the doghouse because I'd be busy glued to my phone seeing how my captain had done rather than looking around Berlin so maybe for the sake of my relationship I'll leave it and just captain uh Sterling on the uh, on Monday night uh might be what I do I might might just leave it and uh, roll over because you know I'd be removing errits for hazards, and that could easily backfire. So maybe, maybe I won't do it. I, I just don't know. I mean, the ownership of hazards is pretty low uh, in terms of the uh, in terms of the top ten k, which doesn't really matter too much to me. But also in terms of um, I think generally, I think it's twenty five percent, as I mentioned earlier on. So uh, maybe I could just do it without doing it and just just leave it as it is. Captain have two FTs, just take a gamble in the final game week cool uh there's a theme every week uh we didn't do one on the uh, on the game week 35 on with will game week 34 was the peep show uh well done if anyone spotted that
1: yeah and um yeah so well done anyone who spotted our peep show references it was quite a hard theme to do because most of the funny references from the tv show um have a lot of swearing in which um we try and keep the pod clean so uh you know, it was a tough one. Yeah, to, like
0: to eat, eating a dog on a canal boat, like trying to get that one in as a reference, is quite difficult. Is that a real poo mark? I think people thought that I was. We were drunk when we started mm. the podcast and we're talking about your bowel movements. <laughs> so, yeah, I remember that. That's a, must not have been this. <laughs> no, that's, that's a really that's a really hard one to do. So my favourite scenes, one of your favourite scenes as well. But it's really hard to get a Peep Show reference in the popular ergonomic keyboard. Of course, and um, just to say, of course we are. Who
1: got you says You can find us online at wgta underscore fpl um if you want to follow me personally i'm at wgta underscore nick as well um,
0: please follow me just follow no,
1: me I've, i don't post much useful stuff but occasionally we'll say something um tom jen's to manage the main account as everyone knows um and if you want to join the league it's a bit late but you can still join with 516-441
0: Cool, we'll be back next week um, for the pronouncement pod of the season. I think for for Game Week 38, we might do something a little bit different. We were mooting a few ideas, maybe some sort of drinking game. Nick, maybe a Centurion or something as we do it, just to make it a bit more fun. We will see whether we're able to handle that amount of alcohol now we're both in our 30s, but who knows? It might make for a very uh, very fun pod. Uh, might have to give an explicit label, though, so I'm sure that the uh, filter will come off. But anyway, in the meantime, I hope to see you and speak to you soon. Goodbye.